Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. movies in the cinematic canon today's film the dark knight directed by christopher nolan starring christian bale and heath ledger my name is cameron tuttle and i'm joined with isaac ransom isaac how are you doing i'm doing good it's monday we're kicking off the week strong by watching probably one of the greatest movies to come out in the 21st century uh Mm. so far and also i mean i feel i am i'm hoping you know we've, we've watched movies from the early 1900s I'm hoping this one will be like kind of in that that Casablanca range, you know. People will look back on it as as, as a classic. It's it's hard not to be hyped up after watching this one, Cameron. One hundred percent. Well, and I was gonna say, um, it's interesting because you know, d- kind of tongue in cheekily, we we say we call me an expert and uh, we talk about the movies in the cinematic canon, quote unquote. Um, and you know, partially that's that's kind of a joke, but. Um, in this case, I think that's true. I think this movie will 100% be, uh, canonized because, uh, it is so universally loved. Um, I really, I don't know anybody who dislikes this movie, actually. Um, casual fans, uh, critics, I think everybody, it's, it's almost gotten to a point where like people don't even talk about it. Anymore right. Because it's so like universally loved and praised. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm excited to break it down with you because it, it for me it's one of those movies that um I was a little young for it when the hype train was was like live when it was going on. But I was, you know, I'm I still very much am uh someone who loves this movie. So I feel like I kind of missed the 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 buzz around it uh when it first came out, but I um, absolutely, uh, would love to, to talk about it with you and just, and it's, it's definitely impacted my, um, my life in a, in a couple different ways, but, but certainly my, um, you know, my movie loving trajectory, I would say. So, oh yeah, no, I, I think that this film definitely struck at a time where we were too dumb to understand some of its depth. And what is so great about it is that it's still enjoyable when you don't understand some of Nolan's philosophical conversation in the movie. Um, and I think that that's probably yeah. the best part about revisiting it as an adult is how much how much more depth there is to the film than I really expected to see. And, and this happens to me every time I watch The Dark Knight. I'm always impressed by new de- details and things like that. But before we go full send into The Dark Knight, although I do want to allocate a lot of time, I don't want to delay too much Cameron have you watched anything are you doing well I forgot to ask you even though you asked me and I just started it right there. yeah I'm uh, I am doing well um I I have actually been watching a couple things I was I told you last week that I was uh catching up on succession because obviously I missed the last couple of episodes life things got in the way but um I finished succession season four um it's really, really excellent. I would highly recommend that show. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's so well done. 
very I love that it was, you know, sort of a four season run. Might have even gotten away with like three seasons. Um, but it's it's a super I think it's a super tight show. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, really impressed with with the way that it concludes. Um, and then uh me and Kiana did not uh finish uh Better Call Saul season six when it came out on TV because we didn't have TV. Um, so now that it's on Netflix and we've finished succession, we're moving on to better call Saul season six, which we have heard really great things about. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been watching, but nothing else. How about you? Yeah. I haven't watched anything except for this movie almost twice. So (laughs) I, I, I I watched this like halfway through on my own. Juliana got back from a trip. I was like, you, should we restart it? And she was like, I don't, she was like, didn't we just watch this movie last week? And I was like, no, 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 trust me. <laughs> and um, just so the audience knows, Juliana is like, The Dark Knight, much better than Batman Begins. That was her review. Much, Ooh, much better. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was good to sit down and watch this a couple times and, and get some details. I never watch a movie twice, but I actually initially sat down to, to view it, and I was like, I'm just going to watch an hour, and then I'll watch the other half later. And I ended up watching like two hours and 45 minutes because it like hooked me. And then when it's two hours and a half, two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Or or not. uh, I meant an hour 45. Sorry. It was a slip up. An An hour hour 45. 45. I watched an hour 45 when I meant to watch an hour. And, um, when Jules got back, I was like, should we just restart it? You know, like we, I I feel like you're really going (laughs) to like this movie again, you know? Um, and she did. And it was, it was a good time to, to sit through it a few times. Other than that, just playing some video games, I like kinked my neck super bad this morning. I like woke up and oh. I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, I just, it's just the worst feeling, you know, the older I get any oh. sort of back pain. I had this lower back injury out of nowhere. I threw out my back like about a month or two ago. So anything related to my back now starts to freak me out. Um, mm. But yeah, I feel like a hobbling old man. Um, I can't wait to relate to Batman in the Dark Knight Rises when he hurts his back. You know, I'm I'm ready for that experience to connect with with Bruce in the pit. But we're not talking about that one yet. <laughs> uh, I Cameron, you know, I we plug the show at the beginning. Uh, of course, you can check out the Patreon stuff. Honestly, thank you guys for being here to listen through our Nolan conversations. We're going strong on Nolan all summer. You know, with Oppenheimer hype and all that. Uh, giving the rating help, sharing the show. We appreciate all of you just being here, listening to our production. It means the world to us. So we hope you enjoy our review of The Dark Knight. Cameron, open us up. An opening monologue for for one of the... For, for this film, I feel like you need the floor. I got to give you the floor on this. Mm. Well, um, I'll just start, I guess, by saying that this... Um, not that this means too much, but um, this on IMDb is the third highest rated movie of all time so it's like right after the godfather one and two i think um so pretty crazy that uh this is uh oh no it's shawshank the godfather and then the dark knight so it's it's number three uh, with like ten thousand ratings or something so universally a loved and acclaimed movie um you know up there with uh, what is often considered the greatest movie of all time, the Godfather. Um, not that we necessarily agree with that, but, um, this movie in, in a lot of ways, um, had, you know, it started, uh, this was 2008. So 
a, a bit before the superhero hype. Um, it has a very, very different feel, very different vibe than Iron Man, which came out the same year. And I think in some ways, um, you know, it, it's easy to say that this movie like started the superhero phenomenon or, you know, did a lot to to sort of influence that. Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think Iron Man probably had a lot more to um, uh, Iron Man and then Avengers really you know, is, is really what caused sort of the flux of what we see as like successful superhero movies. Um, this movie kind of stands outside that, uh, that genre in a lot of ways. Um, this is a movie that's very grounded. Um, it's very, uh, sort of deep in terms of, of battling, uh, ideas of right and wrong of surveillance of, um, and also of what brings a man to, uh, to, to, you know, commit terrible acts. And in, in some ways, um, it, it's success, I, I would say has, has never really been replicated in terms of, um, you know, what is a superhero movie, uh, trying to get at? I think every other movie that's come after it has, has really scratched at the maybe not even scratched, but has has scratched at the surface of what this movie is trying to accomplish, um, which is something so outside of uh, the idea of superheroes that it becomes you know basically a different genre. Um, this is a thriller. This is a um, you know a, a masterpiece of of crime and you know fighting crime that kind of movie. Um, so it really it in in some ways. Um, it's outside of the genre that it lives in. Um, like, you know, I would say the, the only other close movie to that is probably Logan. Um, but this movie really is sort of, um, it, I wouldn't even say it's like the godfather of, of superhero movies because it's, it's so outside of, um, of what, what the superhero genre has become. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, this is obviously the sequel to, uh, 2004's Batman Begins. Um, but in a lot of ways it, it distinguishes itself from that movie. Um, and I was noticing that a lot, especially cause we had our discussion last week and I was saying how I remember a lot of that movie and I, I kind of, um, that one feels a lot more like a comic book movie, um, mm, than this one does. Yeah. And so in, in the, in the, way that it treats tone and it treats characters, the dark Knight is much more serious, uh, than Batman begins. And it really kind of separates itself from that more, um, more comedic in some ways and more, you know, not that serious movie, um, which I found very interesting. Um, an another thing that it, that it does is, you know, it visually treats Batman differently. It visually treats Gotham differently. Um, the villains are much more, um, like, actually menacing. Um, and, you know, as much as I think Batman Begins is is a much more fun movie, um, a much, maybe even in some ways, a much more approachable movie, um, this movie is, is dealing with things that are... Um, a lot more, um, uh, they're taken a lot more seriously, I guess. 
So uh, being a sequel to a movie that is, um, I don't want to say lighthearted because that movie isn't really, but in comparison, it kind of feels that mm. way. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to say that, that, uh, you know, scarecrow riding around and, and scaring people is like lighthearted. Of course it's not. Um, but at the same time, like scarecrow is, is nothing in comparison to, to the Joker. And I think it sets it up really nicely in the beginning of this movie where he, he just kind of takes out scare scarecrow as another one of like these chump villains, basically, um, in, in the opening sequence. And I've, you know, I found that to be kind of an interesting nod that, you know, yeah, we're going to. We're going to treat this, this is obviously in the same universe, but we're tre- treating this as like a separate, um, a separate beast, I mm. guess. Uh, we're moving on from, from where we were in, in the Batman Begins time. Um, and then, you know, at a certain point, um, I would say the last like hour of this movie um, becomes something that is so like... <laughs> um, it's so thrilling. It's so unique. I, I've really, you know, I, I've yet to see another movie do this kind of, um, the dance that it does in that, that final hour. Um, and we'll get into that more when, when we get into spoilers, but, um, yeah, obviously, you know, if you couldn't tell, I, I highly recommend this movie, but I'd like to get into sort of, um, what we think is important, what are the, uh, the sort of themes that, that Nolan is dealing with. And also like, um, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your, your thoughts in terms of, um, revisiting it and, uh, you know, I guess, um, I haven't seen it in, in a couple of years probably, but I know this movie very, very well. I've seen it uh, probably, 10 to 15 times at this point in my life. So I, I'm very familiar with the content of this movie, but really like thinking about it deeply and analyzing it, um, it, it really gives the movie a lot more perspective than I was expecting. Um, and I'm just curious about your, your rewatch these, these two times, um, you know, what, what you thought about it. So, yeah, I think revisiting the dark Knight after doing this podcast is, such a treat because so much of what I knew the movie for was birthed at a time where I was very early in my exploration of cinema. And it was one of those movies that like draws you in, in a way that you can't quite explain. And you're just like, I just know it's awesome. I think some of the highest praise I have for this movie is how universally like great it is. And what, and you were mentioning that I don't know anybody that, hates this film. I I do feel like this movie is airtight for enjoyment, even for somebody um, like Jules, who maybe she could watch a superhero movie here and there Um, for a film that's so serious. Like Juliana needs like more fun and like, like spice in her movies usually to keep her entertained. But she was like, she, it held her attention all the way through. And she, at the end of it, she was like, it's yeah, it's really good. Um, and I just think that's like a testament to how great this film is. Uh, as far as the IMDb list, I have it pulled up. This is one of the most triggering lists I've ever looked at, by the way. 
<laughs> Everybody knows that the Godfather Part One should not be at number two. That that is like such a stupid take. I don't know who put that there. And just just so you know, if you if you're like, wow, no, somebody could make the argument. Prisoners, which is a fantastic movie, maybe not the most approachable, as is at one sixty seven on the list. And Spider Man No Way Home is at one fifty eight. I mean, that's just a crime, all right? Like, 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 like in completely different don't, leagues. Don't take it too right? seriously. Don't take it too seriously. Because obviously this is just an aggregate of the rating that, that people have. And it's fluctuated throughout the years. But yeah, I would this is not obviously an ironclad list. I just put it up there. I just, you know, I wanted to mention it at the beginning because, um, you know, obviously having one of the top three spots is kind of is pretty big deal. I would sure. Say. Yes. Just in the amount of like number 10 ratings. Yes. You know? Yes. Most definitely. Oh no. Sorry. I was totally wrong. 2.8 million people rated this on. IMDb, yes. Not 10. Yes. So, um, and I don't think they're wrong about the dark Knight. although I've never seen Shawshank. Um, so maybe all of my movie opinions are discredited. I'm looking at the top 10. I've seen a good chunk of these movies. Um, but I think on IMDb's list, there is a like a striking comparison um, to The Dark Knight and a very similar genre that we talk about with super, uh, superhero movies all the time in the number 10 spot, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I think I actually have never realized it till I looked at this list, but I believe that both... The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and The Dark Knight share this energy that is um, so much related in what makes them incredibly successful movies for the audience to experience. Um, Interesting. And we can dig into that a little bit more, but I think the greatest treat for me revisiting this has been to reflect on this movie in... In with with the experience that I've had doing this show and learning so much about movies, and then to notice like incredible details that I had never noticed before. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out some of those. One, I don't know why I never realized or I it never it never hit me in the profound way that it did on this viewing that Harvey Dent has a coin that has heads on both sides and that there's that it's clean throughout the entire movie. And I just never knew that. I, I know he throws the coin at her, right? And he's like, I make my own luck. And she's like, oh, the coin. But I just didn't realize like how clever that is. It reveals so much about his character right then, right? Where right, she flips right. the coin around and it's like, oh, like <laughs> he actually is like kind of clever. He is kind of good, you know, in, in a way, right? Before whatever happens to him. Um, another, th- And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where half the coin gets burned and that, you know, his whole sort of idea about himself changes. Exactly. Instead of making his own luck, he becomes, you know, this, this person who's destined by chance. Right. Right. And, and so that like a small detail like that, when he, when he gets in the, I don't know why this scene stuck with me after the parade where he's walking to the um, ambulance. It's always a memorable part in the movie for me. And the gunshot goes off. And everybody like drops and he like kind of ducks. And the second shot goes off and everybody starts running 
but he doesn't really react to the second shot. He's just like beelining for the, for the, um, the ambulance. And he, when he gets in the ambulance, he looks down and the schizophrenic dude has Rachel's name on his like uniform. Yeah. Uh, like small things like that. I was like, how did I never notice this? Like, I didn't notice like these key details. I think part of it is Nolan. He's not only moving fast, but people are mumbling things, but there's just so much like detail in this movie that on a rewatch, um, it's, it hits home runs like in every moment, even small interactions with Gordon when he walks in and talks to the commissioner and he's like, like the commissioner has very few lines, but he's like, okay, you're scared. You know, I figured out how to work with this a long time ago. He brings out like the, the alcohol or whatever. There's just like, it's like such a rich scene, you know, that's like such a rich interaction right there. Um, and, these are moments that I just kind of glazed over when I was younger, right? They're not like, it wasn't very meaningful um, to me. And uh, even, even moments like um, with Gordon's family, right? Very limited time in the movie. Uh, but those scenes really stuck out to me on this viewing. Um, whereas when I was, you know, in, in high school watching this movie, it's like, who cares about this part? You know, like, let's, let's see the Joker. Sure, right? sure. Let's see the Joker. Um, totally. I wait, I just want to pause on that because, um, there's a lot of those moments. Um, and I don't know, I could, it could just be a lack of attention span, like you're pointing out, but as a younger viewer, um, there's a lot of those moments that I think are so profound nowadays, um, that were totally like missed by me. Uh, like I always, I, I always quote and kind of make fun of the, um, not, not really, but well, I kind of, I kind of make fun of that scene where Alfred is talking about the guy who, you know, he's a thief and, um, he's, you know, stealing, uh, you know, stealing these gems, um, but just because it was fun, just because of the sport. Um, what I think on my first, maybe two watches of this movie, uh, as a kid, um, that just like, boring you know yeah it's like what is alfred talking about you know like who cares like alfred is just just going on about something he did in burma or whatever but like it's such an important moment in this movie um where he's he's detailing sort of this this philosophy um and and he's so prescient where he says um you know i don't think you understand the joker at this point, you know, he says, he's, he says some, you know, obviously the famous line, some men just want to watch the world burn, but, um, you know, he's pointing out that, um, that Bruce thinks that the Joker has a motivation. Um, and Alfred has cued into the fact that, that the Joker doesn't have a motivation. He is just an agent of anarchy. He is just an agent of chaos. He likes it you know, he likes to do these things because they're fun. How does someone like Batman deal with a person like that? And that's really the central question of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I I can even explain that scene over, over my years of watching movies. First time I watched that moment, it's Alfred going grandpa moment, right? Like I'm not, (laughs) it just blurs out. Right. Second or third viewing it's some men want to watch the world burn. I'm like, good line you know 
This viewing is the first time I ever heard his story, though. You know, I'm I'm not even kidding you. Like it was like it was like new. It was like just a new element to the film I had never heard, uh, where he talks about his experience, and the story comes back. Right? What? Yeah. Where where he's like, what happened in that story? You know, that that is the killer filmmaking, right? That is like. I don't know. That's just next level stuff. I lo- I actually, I really do study this, Cameron, because you and I both grew up in church. Because we listen to so many pastors, like I have an, an innate attention to public speaking. I really, really enjoy watching people do public speaking. Among, I, and and this, is, this is very bad of me, but I'm incredibly, like I feel like I am incredibly critical around hu- public speaking as well. Because I've seen some really great speakers. Um, I think that some of the best public speaking starts with a story that doesn't conclude and somehow Mm. loops back to that towards the end into a home run. It's just something I've noticed. Some speakers are really great at doing it. And yeah. it's super hard to do. I have, it's been very rare that I've, I, I personally been able to speak and do that. Um, and it's also difficult to be able to present a story that's memorable enough with weird things to think about, like kid playing with a gem the size of a uh, mango of a or a tangerine, right? <laughs> when he says that, you're like, what a weird descriptive thing I'm not going to forget, you know? And when it mm-hmm. loops back to talking about the forest, right? Um, it's, it's like the best, it's the best kind of storytelling, right? Um, it's also something that I've been, I've actually been studying the art of story in my job in marketing, um, and how it, I just find it fascinating, like the storytelling stuff, because it's crazy how much people latch on to resolution or like answers or like some sort of resolve, even in music, right? But the reason the resolution hits, the reason the resolve hits or the tension eases is because the tension and the and the intensity or the threat is so high you know and so when he tells a story with no conclusion but he paints it in this like colorful thing right you're still waiting it's like there's something about it that's still missing and the way that they kind of like serve it to you i don't know it's i know that's like a very heady but there's 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 a there's a real art to the storytelling stuff where um I don't know. I think about like tension and horror, like how there's kind of the the catch and release. That's the easiest way to understand it. Recently, I've been yeah. studying um, because I'm studying a lot of advertising and marketing. Um, I realize how negative Apple ads are right lately, and I know that's a very weird thing to pick up on. But if you look at the storytelling plot, it's the negativity of somebody's health, heart rate going up. And it just fixates on all of that and then concludes with, you know, Apple is going to take care of you. You don't have to worry. But it spends like 80% of the ad on this negative threat, right? And somehow that buys in the user uh, to believe that that 20% resolve is all they need to remember because it's such a relief, right? I don't know. There's something about it, right? Long tangent. I'm just saying this movie has so many great circle around moments, even in the small things, even in the moment with Gordon's family, right? 
um, how how some of those elements are even tied or are kind of shown in Batman Begins, and you don't need that context, right? But the way that they they loop around from the first time that the door opens to the second time the door opens, right? And then even their involvement in the conclusion of the movie. Um, mm, yeah, I I just I I think it's no doubt supposed to be on this top ten list. Um, I think it's an incredibly tight film as well, which is, it's to its benefit. Um, there's not a lot of fat on this thing. Like it really does keep no. going and shocking at two and a half hours. Too. True. I yeah. mean, I've always, the, the weird thing is like, I've always, um, this is such a dumb thought to have, but I've always been like, yeah, but like is the last like hour. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but, you know, it kind of feels like it goes on. And then I watch it again and I'm like, no, this movie is like literally so tight. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no breathing room. The last hour is like, pro- maybe it's the best hour. I mean, it definitely mm. is the best hour, but it's so literally it goes from one insanely good scene to the next insanely good scene. Like, you know, I think the halfway point is when they're, um, and this is crazy to think about this is why I always think it's like feels longer than it actually does. The halfway point of this movie is when they're taking, um, uh, you know, uh, Harvey Dent has declared that he's Batman and they're taking him th- through to, to jail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the halfway point of the movie. And you're like, what? That feels like the first like 30 right, minutes of the right. movie. You know, like that's, that's crazy. You know, like, there's so much that happens in that last hour. Um, but it's like packed with, um, it's just so packed. Like everything that happens, it's, it's crazy to think that the last like 20 minutes is the, is the Harvey Dent stuff. And, and that the like 15 minutes before that is the stuff on the boat, which is like, that feels like the conclusion, but then like the actual conclusion is like also so good, you know? So it's like things like that where, where you're like, I'm shocked at how I really can only, you know, I don't want to say that it's, you know, it's a perfect storm. This movie is, you know, the, the, the fact that it had such a, um, such an excellent director at the helm, the fact that it had amazing writers, like this could have been totally messed up, um, in the production, but it was, it was held together by, um, not by luck, but by, you know, just these insanely talented people um, who probably fought for a lot of things that uh, were maybe a little too much for the audience. I mean, there's some stuff in this movie that it's like really intense. Oh, know? yeah. Um, but in a way, um, like I know you, you were talking about the Batman last time. Um, in a way, this movie is so um, like hopeful about humanity mm. it's really weird um anyways uh we can get into that a little bit later but um yeah no i i um you were talking about sort of um i guess the way that the movie um uh has hooked you differently this you know this this sort of time um you know, looking back through it. so much of um, so much of that feeling kind of is anchored in the experience of movies that I've watched 
on this show, uh, movies that have challenged me. And I think what's so, what's so great about watching the dark Knight as well is that you didn't have to go through my movie education to realize this movie is awesome. It makes me feel justified in my arm's length to difficult movies to watch, but the small details, like, like suffering through some movies has really helped me, um, be able to enjoy small moments instead of just wait for whatever's next. Um, and Mm. so looking at the larger than life characters with the Joker and, and, uh, Harvey Dent and, uh, Batman, right. And how the movie sort of builds these philosophical pillars. I'm like, when's the last time I saw like these, like massive people, on screen uh, that are interacting, clashing like they're on a chessboard or something like that, um, and that's where I thought of the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, which is it's clearly showing three men approaching, you know, kind of this like Western outlaw thing from three different approaches. They have their own rules and sort of um, the ways that they interact, and it's like it's it has some kind of rewarding click with it uh, that. Mm-hmm that I think the good, the bad, the ugly is like maybe at the time in 1966, it was like easier for people to approach. I, I feel like the movie isn't super approachable today. Uh, I, I think it's kind it's three hours long, you know, uh, you have to sort of be in for the long haul. Do I believe it's worth it? Yeah, I do believe it's worth it. I do think you should watch it. Um, I do think you'll be surprised if you went to watch The Dark Knight and you wanted to see a superhero movie, you're going to get something a little different. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. the same goes for The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. If you're going to watch it for a Western, you might be surprised what you end up getting because it's a very different movie than that. Uh, so there's something about those movies that relate that brought out a new uh, appreciation for how The Dark Knight is written and put together with its characters being larger than life. I think the one thing that the good, the bad, the ugly does differently is it puts those three guys all together in a finale. And you don't really get that with the dark Knight. I, I, when I had that thought, I was like, wow, that would have been something, you know, to see all three of those guys together. But Gordon is more of an important aspect to the triangle. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, or, or maybe he's an audience surrogate. Uh, to help like people understand kind of these larger than life figures. Right. Um, Well, I think in terms of the, the philosophy of these characters, right. um, Batman as the, we talked about this a little bit last time, but Batman is the sort of the person who has a moral code, but, but sometimes goes outside of the, you know, what's officially the, the good thing. Um, Dent is the one who, you know, was sort of broken by tragedy and has has totally, you know, flipped his um, his his moral system. And, you know, he's kind of he was a man of principle and now he's a man who, you know, is kind of broken and and lost trying to find a a new principle to hold on to. Um, And then, you know, the Joker is someone who who is totally principleless. Um, in fact, he's he, not just principleless, but he's against the idea of principles entirely. Um, and so, uh, Gordon is one who, you know, he's, he's someone who, um, 
he's it's almost like he stands for the um uh he he stands for um the system in a lot of ways the good parts of the system um you know because and and i think that's important to have his character be um be that because batman obviously isn't um you know as someone who's who's totally against the system um or not not against the system but working outside of the system um and and gordon kind of has to be you know in this as um as the one who's you know who's both principled and working in the system and dent you know being being that good foil for uh for for gordon being someone who who is you know also principled but now is broken um it's kind of this this really interesting face off between the two of them um that's outside of the whole character arc of of you know of batman and the joker right you know it's it's another it's another like side character foil battle you know which is so interesting like it's it's sh- sh- actually shocking that they were able to squeeze in both of those character arcs <laughs> at the same time Oh yeah, like how did like how does that even I don't yeah how does that even happen? I think as as comic book nerdy as it would have been to see the Joker and and Harvey and Batman have like a you know good the bad the ugly standoff. I think the emotional climax of the movie being sort of the the three good guys being all sort of at odds for a moment, right? Having their own mm-hmm. standoff like. It's more. It adds like a level of tragedy um, to them all, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's what makes the emotions run highest because seeing Batman disagree with the Joker and be in a fight—that's just more fun. Like the ending, the ending of this film is much more meaningful than that. Um, and I know that Morgan Freeman is in both, but the other film that I thought about a lot on this viewing was Seven. Uh, I do think Seven is less approachable. It is an edgy '90s film. It is a. It is very dark. Um, but if you want, a, <laughs> like I'm yeah. just saying, if you want the Dark Knight cranked up without superheroes and more true crime, like Seven is, Seven's the way to go. Uh, I think what's interesting about Seven is that the film has sort of that similar like Joker character. And then the other characters sort of represent something similar to like Harvey Dent and Batman in a weird way. Um, With Morgan Freeman's character being the detective is a little disgruntled, kind of arm's length, not really enjoying what he's doing and then kind of the new blood trying to prove himself very committed to like getting the bad guy and whatnot. Um, but I ha- I found myself really thinking about that film, uh, during this viewing as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, the, the thing I keep coming back to though, is like seven, as much as I love it, as much as I think it's a great movie and a lot of people should see it, even though they haven't, it can't win a crowd like the dark Knight. you know, as great as, as the good, the bad, the ugly is it can't win a crowd like the good night or, or the, uh, the dark Knight. Did I say the good night? <laughs> oh man. You did. Uh, yeah. Sorry. The dark Knight. You guys know what I'm saying, right? I think that's what is so impressive about this movie is that sure it's influences. It wears it on its 
sleeve. It's pulling from so many great things, uh, even outside of movies, right? Um, and I mean, it's pulling from comic books as well, right? Uh, it's just this amalgamation that is a cinematic experience, like, like I honestly like no other. I don't really know of another film that can come close to it. And you look at a movie like The Godfather that's on this list, or The Godfather Part Two, and I just I really don't feel like they have like the the cinematic tightness. You know, I don't think they have the the mass appeal. You know, I just. I, I'm not saying that those those movies aren't like great works of art. Sure, you can still look at something that's, you know, splattered paint. Uh, it's a little messy and say like, this is a masterpiece, right? I liked Relic Guitars, you know? I'm, I'm like, I don't need the cleanest guitar and whatnot or a master-built guitar. But The Dark Knight feels like one of those ancient statues chiseled in marble and flawless. You're like, how did they, how did they even make marble look like silk? on a person, Mm -hmm. right? And that is like what the Dark Knight is. It's why it's legendary, um, because it is so refined. And that, I can understand. I can understand. The person I'm thinking of the most right now is Tim Smith, and how he's like, you know, (laughs) Tim notoriously dislikes Nolan, right? And I could see Tim saying, okay, Isaac, I admit it, the Dark Knight's good, but it it doesn't give me like the experience that some of these other movies that are messier and kind of out there. Right. And and I just want to say like, that's not exactly the point. The point is that it's so it's way too good. That is kind of the point. It is actually, it's, it's, I don't even know how I like what you said. It's a perfect storm. I'm not sure how I, how it was put together exactly. Um, But looking at Nolan's other pieces of work, right. You can find the mess in Nolan's other works. As a matter of fact, other yeah. Nolan movies have moved me more emotionally than this one, right? Sure, <laughs> um, sure, but yeah, 100%. I just, I think what's what's so impressive about this one is that it's this crazy amalgamation of genres, uh, writing, like story strength. Um, looking at the rest of the IMDb list, it mixes, you know, thrill action philosophy like i just like i don't know like i'm not sure what other movies um can can come close to doing so many things so well uh, i think the, the the only thing that this movie if i could come at some kind of critique with it is that from stepping back outside of my appreciation i do feel like the dark knight Like you were saying, it's incredibly serious. It's an incredibly serious movie. Uh, Yeah, there's there's barely any fun in it outside of uh, a a scene that enthralls you in a fun way, like the heist scene that opens the movie. It's hard to watch that scene and not be like, like, oh man, like this is so much fun. You know, like, like this is a scene like I wanted to watch or, or the Batmobile taking a rocket or the truck flipping, you know, like those, those are moments that of course it's fun. Even the Joker's presence, that, that's what I was talking about with Jules when we were watching. I was like the Joker as a, when I was not paying attention to the depth of this movie, he was like the funniest person on screen. Like I just loved watching him 
interact with people. He was creepy, but also, uh, from a younger perspective, hilarious. Um, I just thought he was like, I don't know. Like uh, there, there was some element there, but watching it now, I'm like, it feels, I could, I could see the only person that might disconnect with this is that they're like, this is too serious. This is too like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like maybe that's the only critique I can give it. Um, yeah. Well, I think instead of fun, um, like you said, all of the, all of the scenes are both thrilling and sort of like deeply engaging, um, just on, on sort of like an attention level. Um, but, um, but I, th- I think you're right that this movie is not, is very, um, it's very serious. Um, and I think, I think in some ways it, it kind of has to be, you know, dealing with the, um, the topics that it's dealing with. Um, though, you know, it's funny cause Batman begins, um, is a movie that is less serious in some ways. Um, and I think the impact that it has is kind of lacking because maybe because of that, I, I don't know, not to say that it's one-to-one, but I think in some ways the, the fact that this movie takes itself more seriously than Batman begins, um, probably leads it to higher highs in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't get the moment of Harvey Dent's, um, change from being, you know, someone who has, you know, serious principles to being someone who's so afflicted by grief that he totally, you know, um, becomes unhinged and, you know, lost, you know, lost to, to, you know, whatever comes next. Um, you couldn't have that if, if, um, you know, Harvey's character wasn't already set up as someone who's, you know, actively going after, you know, these, these crime bosses, someone who's sort of fearless, like a fearless leader in, in the fight against crime. Um, you know, his interactions, like he both has like charisma and the charisma of a good politician and like the, the seriousness of, of the task that he's, been given like i love that scene it's kind of early on where um he's with uh with rachel and um and uh bruce kind of just pops in on on their dinner uh with the lady from the ballet um and they're talking about it's it's a very it's almost like a reflection of the scene that you have in um in batman begins but in in that way it's taken more seriously like the topic is really kind of what's happening in the scene mm. instead of bruce coming in you know he has the girls in the in the fountain he buys the the hotel and you know that's kind of the effect of the scene um and and it it turns serious when he you know when he sees rachel at the end in in batman begins but in this scene it's very it's played very straight it, it's just them talking about the idea behind batman. right um and I think in some ways, you know, it, it both informs the character of of Harvey and it informs sort of the thrust of where where the next, you know, couple of hours where his character is going to be. He, that's where he says the famous line, you either, you know, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain, um, which is a very it's kind of a shocking statement to hear him say. Yeah. Um, and you don't really know um, 
you don't know what what that means at the beginning. Um, but in some ways, uh, like it's it's hard to even know if it if that's like a true statement. But it's something that he you know sincerely believes. Um, I don't know. It's just a really it's a really interesting scene to have in this movie um, that I feel like a lesser movie would just cut because it's it's so like it's just characters talking. Sure, you know it's it's almost not even that Im- informative to what's happening. Um, so I don't know things like that where you're like this movie actually takes itself and the ideas that it's talking about like seriously mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I think give it a little more oomph than than a movie like Batman Begins. Um, so that's I guess that's what I mean by um, it's more it's more serious. Yeah, and and that is why The Dark Knight Rises is the best film out of all of them because it is. Super serious and also super fun. Okay. <laughs> and that's why it deserves to be well, movie... in the spot of The Godfather at number two on IMDb's <laughs> list. Do you think that this movie is not fun? Though? Um, like, because I kind of disagree. I, like I said, like it has like the, oh yeah, like this is, this is exciting. This is fun. But I don't know if it's, it's not like, like I could see somebody saying like it's, too serious in a way. Um, the mm-hmm. best icebreaker for the seriousness is Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, which is captivating in an, in like sort of like this entertainment horror element. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think that he kind of serves as like this, this goofy breakout that stands out in a cast full of like very serious people, um, which adds to him being of course, like that agent of chaos, right? You don't even know if he's going to like reach through the screen and and, like slap you in the face in the middle of the movie. Like he's, he's kind of just this. And and so maybe that is what the movie is helping. Like his character really stand out. Um, Love him at the dinner party scene. Um, Yeah. Oh, I he's just eating the shrimp. Yeah, the shri- I love the part with the champagne where he like throws it out, like it all falls out and he tries to drink it. That's like such a great, little moment in the movie and all of his interactions with the mob boss, with everyone good and evil. It's very the same, right? Where he's just like this like unhinged character. Um, I really was moved by his interrogation scene on this viewing. I thought it was one of the most profound moments in the entire movie. Um, and he talks to Batman in this elitist sort of like tone where he's like, you and I are different than these people. You know, mm. we're, we're outcasts. We're rejects. And it's like, Batman's like, you're nothing like me, but like weirdly he is true. He's, it is being very truthful in that moment. It remind no, he's it correct. reminds yeah. me a lot of some of the, elitism on display in Oppenheimer. It was one of the things that kind of turned me off about that movie is that they're like, we're like gods as men uh, being the people that are the scientists that created the nukes. I was like, I don't quite understand this complex that continues to come up um, in, in sort of like the Nolan films. I like, I like Nolan's Everyman a lot more. Um, I think Mm -hmm. the, 
grungy pursuit of success in the prestige is much more relatable for me um, as a viewer than watching people like Batman and the Joker, but maybe their caricatures like make them more universal. I'm not quite sure. Um, I just, I just found that their interaction in the, um, in the interrogation, like it felt like very creative auteurs or something, or, or people that are great dreamers being burned by the society around them, you know? Uh, it was like, it like had this weird depth to me that I did not expect uh, watching it. And like the Joker is someone who's so um, uniquely uh, brilliant in a lot of ways, but also so um, outside of what you uh, want from a person who lives in society. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it reminds me of, of a lot of what is shown uh, in Oppenheimer of these like great inventors who are then outcasts or like people that do incredible things, but they're just a little too out there, you know, uh, and their end result will be either being completely rejected or becoming these insane villains on the outside. Right. Um, yeah. I don't There's just, there is something special about that sort of exploration it was it was what i really it's what i really love about jordan peele's nope is that it puts every man uh it, it takes like ev like every man rejects right and puts them in heroic situations where this one is like the the heroes will eventually be like the outcasts and the weirdos right um kind of just right. a different approach but i just didn't though the those scenes that, uh when i was younger like I don't know, like Batman and the Joker and the relationship was constantly clowned on, for lack of a better word, on YouTube, uh, where they're like, oh, the Joker wants to like make out with Batman, or or like even even the Lego Batman movie goes as far as to be like the Lego Joker's like, you complete me, like I'm in love with you, you know? Like, which I think is great. Like, I think it's a, a super funny part of that movie. Um I just I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't really take it as a bromance on this viewing. Um, and it was much more, it was much deeper than, than I expected. Um, and I was like, yeah, why? Well, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly was like, wow. Am I like, are, are they getting across the themes of Oppenheimer just as like a side moment in this movie? I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. like it was kind of, it was kind of crazy watching it back. Yeah. I love the, um, the lines where he he's talking about how, cause it, it informs the character of, of the Joker, right? Up to this point, he's very much a mystery person. You don't know what he's after. That's the whole point of what Alfred is saying with that story is he is there to, to just, um, uh, you know, be an agent of chaos. And then it starts with him basically admitting that, that I'm, I'm an agent of chaos. You know, I'm someone who, who likes, you know, um, likes to see where things uh, fray at the edge. Um, but I love when he, when he's, he's talking with, with Batman about how um, the only, he says the only sensible way to live is without rules. And tonight you're going to break your one rule because Batman is someone who, you know, a, who, who he finds, he finds like a kindred like spirit in, in what Batman is doing. Um, breaking rules 
for some sort of, you know, sense of order. Um, and whereas the Joker is breaking rules for some sense of chaos. Um, and so it, the ultimate success that the Joker would have is to basically make Batman the agent of order become an agent of chaos to break his rule. You know, that would be, that would be the ultimate thing that would, that would, you know, make the Joker sort of giddy. And he settles for, for doing that to, uh, to, to Harvey Dent, but really he wants to do it, um, to Batman because it would be the ultimate, um, you know, proving that no one is a, you know, everyone is principleless. He's, you know, that's what he says. Right. I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Um, you know, so it's really brilliant. It's a brilliantly written scene. I, I don't know. Um, everything about it is even the first time I saw it, like this, this is the, this is one of like five or six moments in the movie that like really stick out in your mind afterwards that you think about and you chew on and you go over what he's saying in his head or in your head. And you, you know, think about, you know, why he's doing what he's doing. I just think it's, and then obviously, you know, I think we should talk about Heath Ledger's performance a bit. Um, cause I think it's funny, you know, there was backlash to him being cast, um, <laughs> originally. No, I didn't know that. Uh, like when it was, when it was announced, um, you know people you could go back and like there's people took screenshots of it like like you know forum posts about like heath ledger as the joker like some pretty boy like what is what is he even doing you know like what's this casting um because i think at that point he had been in like uh brokeback mountain and um like a knight's tale like he he really wasn't in much um he was kind of um kind of like a, a heartthrob in, in a mm, lot of ways. Mm. Um, and um, so it was totally an unexpected pick, which is so interesting now because everybody's like, oh my gosh, like if he was alive nowadays, like imagine the, you know, brilliant career he could have had. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, I think he really brings not just a charisma to the role and the character, but even like his, I, I'd never really noticed this before, but even his movements embody the Joker, you know, embody like almost a cartoonishness that's so out of place for this universe. He's like, you know, when he gets out of the truck and he kind of, uh, you know, after it's been flipped and, and he like kind of flops on the ground and then like, you know, like gets up in a very like lanky, like inelegant, but also like cartoon like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just so it's so unique. I mean, so his his whole performance, like the the physicality of it, um, obviously his his vocal performance is, you know, unmatched. I feel like um yeah, I don't know. It's it's really weird because uh, there have been two depictions of the Joker since then in major motion pictures, I think. Is that right? Um, to Jared Leto and Joaquin Phoenix, who's not really the same character. Right. But, um, yeah. Is there more? I'm not sure. I don't think so. 
Is the Joker in the Batman? No, they, they. I don't remember if they teased it in something stupid. I know that there's like a live action Joker. Is that right? I don't know why that's ringing a bell. Live action Joker from the Gotham series, isn't it? The oh yeah, um, from from uh, Gotham uh, Gotham Knights. Is that it? no? It's just just Gotham. No. I mean, like honestly, as far as the Joker goes. I know that there's some some people could say that I, I don't know if I've seen the original Joker. Uh who is that? The um the guy from The Shining. Um, um uh, I'm blank you're making me blank on his name. I know. Um, sorry. People screaming at the radios or headphones. I know. It's only Tim. Yeah. Um Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I know he has an iconic performance, but it seems like a little bit of a it's in it's, very it's in line yeah. with what um, Mark Hamill really portrays in the Joker and the animated stuff. Um, to me, to me, there's really two. It's a, there's like Mark Hamill's yeah. Joker, um, which is awesome. I, I really just it is like the the personification of the comics, and um, it's the best. It's the best in the Dark Knight games as well. Uh, or, or the Bat, uh, Arkham games, the Arkham games. Um, Mark Hamill gives a crazy good performance in those. Uh, but the only other one that really stands out to me is the Dark Knight. I haven't seen the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, um, and I have not seen the Suicide Squad. Heck no, I have not watched that. Um, <laughs> but to me, it's like, okay, gotta love Mark Hamill's performance. And then, yeah, Heath Ledger's performance is... Um, it's on a whole nother level. I just remember the cultural impact, the obnoxious fandom around the Joker, uh, Gotham City imposters video game. Every Call of Duty calling card was a Joker card, or you know, there I'm, I'm creating my character in in Dark Souls One, and I made him look just like the Joker. Right? There's just like a real obsession around, like, um, especially in our age range, like people latching on to that that character right yeah. um yeah it's and and i think it's really that performance that that pushed it to the next level i don't even think it was what mark hamill had set in motion although his his version of that character was embraced quickly with the arkham popularity um you know the injustice games and i guess whatever cartoon series people uh were into at the time i've always been a justice league fan i know you have too so um, yeah, but yeah, his what is interesting because in that in in that that series he's very I mean I think it's because it's a kids show you know, but he's very like tame he's um you know he's kind of he's like a villainous prankster in yeah some ways. yeah um and I think that's that's kind of what his character was originally. Um, but I think he, he took sort of a much more sinister tone in a lot of the comics and a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the ways that, that his character has manifested. And then obviously the dark Knight too, but, um, you know, like I, I, it's hard to say, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think this is the most distilled version that the character has, um, has had as in like the, the ideas are so tightly funneled into what it is 
the Joker needs to be doing in like a Batman versus the Joker story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, it's done so um, effortlessly and brilliantly um, that it's hard to, like every other Joker depiction, you're kind of like, okay, but what is really like the point here? What is, What are they trying to get across? I think the... 2019 Joker movie um, was interesting because it's going for very different ideas than this movie is. Um, it's it's almost, you know, not even... I would say it's not even worth talking about in this discussion because it's, it's about something very specific, but um, outside, totally outside of what I would consider, you know, the idea of the Joker mm, um, yeah. in a traditional sense is. Um, and so, you know, in this movie, I really, I really do think the way that his character is set up. Um, it's also interesting that, you know, he doesn't really go through an arc. He doesn't really go through a, um, a change in this movie. It's not like it, you know, it's, it's not like he's set up as a character that's going to be, you know, um, you're going to connect with in a way that like a traditional storytelling plot would make it. Um, he's, uh, he's, as he says, he's an immovable force. Yeah, it's it's very um, much like a Godzilla character, or like a disaster movie sort of tsunami. Yeah, except what what? Yeah, in some what's, ways. What's yeah. cool about Joker is that he can talk and taunt, right? And sure, and that sure. I mean, you watch a movie like Godzilla with Brian Cranston, and it's just like I I don't even know what to think of this gargantuan dinosaur that's blowing up everything everyone's just looking up at the sky like oh my goodness you know like <laughs> uh the the joker is like okay like he is gonna rip the city apart you know um or like even worse like an earthquake movie you know like like oh yeah what are you supposed to do against an earthquake you know <laughs> like like san andreas with uh <laughs> the rock you know what i mean right like, like yeah you know but but you're right that he is he is sort of the monster in this in this movie, you know. Whereas Harvey Dent is the the villain who is a lot more time focused on sort of his character and mm-hmm. the way that his character shifts over the course of the movie. And the final the you final know, confrontation with him is much more of that, uh, like right. the the uh, like a great villain showdown. It's the what's in the box moment, right? It's the it's like where the characters all kind of come together and they're, they're pointing guns at each other and stuff, you know, like that, that is like, uh, it is a finale, even if it's not as exciting as Batman smashing through windows and taking out like the cool hostage moment. Right. Um, or, or the tension of society judging each other with bombs, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's much more small, but, um, I think that, that's what still makes that scene awesome. When it, when he starts flipping the coin, that's where it gets really good, you know? Oh, where it's yeah. like, okay, then let's judge us. You know, like that's where you're like, oh, snap, you know? Sure, the stuff with the... I think the worst part in that scene is is the Gordon's family, that stupid kid in the, in the ending, I think takes... He's he fine. takes away... It's, so, fine. The, it's, not, it's not that bad, but the worst moment is when... The kid's like, why are we chasing him? <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, ah. No, why is he running, yeah. Dad? Because we have to chase yeah. him. That's I good. I don't know. I... But he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's so good. 
<laughs> just no i mean it's a, it's a good moment in terms of yeah whatever his performance isn't isn't the, the best but like it's a it's a great moment in terms of um sort of the hitting home the uh, the idea that Batman, you know, Batman's the one to take the fall, um, which I want to, I, I, I guess I want to focus. Uh, uh, we didn't really mention a spoiler warning, but I feel like at this point, everybody has already seen this movie. So, um, but I'll just say officially spoiler warning. Um, I do want to mention this movie out of any movie of the three. Um, I kind of disagree with Batman the most out of any of the movies. Um, like what he's doing is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the whole thrust of the movie, he creates um, conspiracy, you know, obviously. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, he spies on, he spies on everybody in the entire city. Um, but then even, even the the decision that he makes, um, this movies about well, Mark Zuckerberg. early on, did you know that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is. I know that the most unrealistic part of this movie is when a CEO of a, a billion dollar company is like, no, I'm going to walk away if we start spying on people. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not Think real. Think about it, man. Zuckerberg's um, practicing his, he's fighting, he's fighting now. He's all buff. And you're not telling me he's not <laughs> spying on people with his supercomputer. You don't know what he does at night. He's overlooking yeah, the maybe uh, he Salesforce is. Tower in downtown San Francisco. <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. We're we're gonna the uh, we're gonna come back and uh, you know there's gonna be a caped man on top of uh, you know fa- the Facebook campus. And he's just gonna fly down. I'm Meta Man. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, but uh, but what he does, what Pevin does. Um, even early on when he's like going to turn himself in or whatever, like, like all of these things I feel like are such, um, not necessarily bad decisions. Well, I would classify them probably as bad decisions, but, um, and not even to say that they're against his like character motivations or whatever, but, um, I kind of feel like I, like I most disagree with this, Batman like he's he's very much someone who um is short-sighted in this movie he's making sort of rash decisions um and it's great because he's being pushed to like the brink by um by the Joker that's why you know it really works and why you don't think about it that much um but you know when you start to think about it you're like you're like man Batman's like making a lot of mistakes here you know like he's doing he's doing some things that are really questionable mm-hmm. <laughs> in like both morally and tactically. Um, like, like really what, like what is going on here? And then at the end, when he decides like, I'm going to be the hero the Batman that Gotham needs, but not the one it deserves or whatever. Um, like it's kind of a, it's a weird, not to say that it's a weird conclusion, but it's like, um, I don't know if it's the right answer. Is casting the aspersion on Batman, like basically lying to the public, that's that's his solution. Lying to people because they can't handle the truth of a man who, you know, had tragedy happen to him and then became, um, you know, 
against what what his original principles were um like i don't think that's the i mean i don't think that's the right answer <laughs> like i don't i don't think that's the way that uh that it should be and you know batman who has just been proven correct that the citizenry of gotham are you know are actually good and they're not going to turn on each other in a time of crisis and blow each other up now his solution is to say um they need to be lied to in order to believe like this uh you know this basically what's a fiction uh, like is that really the the case what is what is being said i mean this here? is this is a two part movie you know cuz the dark knight rises gets right into the repercussions of this decision no i know so I know. I, I'm it's aware. but but i'm just saying like it is it is weird it's it's a weird um again not to say that this is a bad decision or like this is poor writing or whatever um but i just totally disagree with with batman in this like almost throughout the entire movie mm. <laughs> and i was shocked i did not expect that this this time coming there's through. other there are other Sorry. moments that kind of show his true colors when he's being pushed. Like when he says he's going after Rachel, right? I don't know if you picked that up. Well, he is going after Rachel. Right. Yeah. So I never knew that. I thought he just went, I thought, I don't know why my first viewing, it was like, Oh, he's just lying. He's going to go get the thing that matters, you know? No, no. The Joker lied. Right. So the Joker <laughs> lied and yeah. he was wrong, but like yeah. still in that decision, he was like, I'm going after Rachel, right? I don't know. Like, it's... it's Which wouldn't make sense. Right. For Batman to do. Right. Totally. Right? Because, like... But he's just over... He's, like, overdriven with emotion. He's at the breaking point. I find, actually, mm -hmm. Alfred's perspective the most interesting <laughs> in some ways. Um, because he is committed to the Batman symbol, Right? Yeah. In this film. Whereas the other ones, he's like, what are you doing? You know? Like, even in The Dark Knight Rises, he has a full pivot. Like, like, what are you doing? You know? It's like, whoa, hold on a second, Alfred. What about the story? You know? What about the... Like, in this movie, he's like, you do... you We do need to believe in the symbol of Batman. You know? Mm -hmm. um, it's... Uh, I think he just kind of comes with a different a different angle and then his his right like burning the note as well right mm -hmm. sort of like the the ignorance is bliss sort of sacrifice i i don't know what i i know i know what you mean like it's cutting at something deep it's cutting at something political or or on a on a sociological level right mm -hmm. where it's like the truth it's too much for the average folk, right? So that's what's kind of weird about it is that like the public is dumb in this movie, right? They really have no idea what's happening. Um, and that's openly discussed with all of the main characters manipulating and spying and threatening the public throughout the entire film, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, these, they're, they're, they're juggernauts controlling the, the the poor people's lives you know in in this movie well it's also interesting how 
the the public is totally fine with with murdering this guy who's you know was just on the radio um but they're not gonna blow up the boat full of prisoners like that's a step too far or something like like i don't know it's it's a it's an interesting i don't know i um, the boat this is hard to say the boat full of prisoners thing is has always been a struggle for me to think about um because in my mind it's it's over they're the one of the two is blowing each other up. Oh, There's yeah. no question oh, yeah. about that. Um, in the real world. Um, so I, so in the yeah, the weird thing about it is like the movie has this position that the people of Gotham and maybe extrapolating further from that, people in general um are, you know, have good in their heart. Um they're not going to descend into chaos. Um uh, which is okay. I mean, you know, that that's a fine, the perspective, that perspective is okay. I think it's wrong, but I think it's okay to have for the movie. But at the same time, like they do descend into chaos a bit throughout the movie. Um, so it, it not to say that it muddies it, um, but I don't know. Also the, just the, yeah, the fact that I don't believe that, um, like I said, has always kind of not that it hasn't sat well with me because I think it's a great sequence, obviously, and everything about it is is wonderful. And I don't think you really could have a Batman movie where the f- people of Gotham <laughs> just blow up the or the prisoners just blow up a a bu- you know what it I mean? A, like I think maybe you, it is a you have to temper. It's that a very bit, hopeful but. kind of conclusion. In in that scene, uh, yeah, um, in that scene, yeah, and uh, obviously it looks different fifteen years later, right? I mean, just the two thousand eight was a <laughs> is a very different time than now, right? That's I was true. talking That's to someone true, yeah. a little bit older, uh, a lot older than me, and they were telling me like, if you told me like what the last five years were going to be like, just on a societal level. Like this person went through the dot com boom, all that stuff. He he was just like, I just like I can't even believe the reality we're in at this point. You know, uh, that's <laughs> that's what he said, and I, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, well, you know, you're lucky you're on the last half of your life. I'm hoping that I can get a full life out of this time period too. You know, I gotta be, I have to be a little hopeful. You know, uh, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some. Some good to come. I can't. I can't already join the retirement club of naysayers. Right? We're all doomed. Right? <laughs> so I don't know. I was kind of. I was pleased by by a little bit of like society coming together. Um, I. I. You. You got to believe some of that. Some of that is still got to remain in some way. Right? Yeah. No. You can't have this movie be as hopeless as like maybe it. It would be. Like maybe like the Batman is or something. Sure, I like I said I don't know, but I, I the Batman is a perfect Batman. representation of the way that society has changed. I think um, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. is really just anger and no no hope in in that film, right? Um, the The conclusion of the movie is 
two people that kind of like each other decide to just motorcycle off in two different directions, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's just a different time in a certain way. Um, but to all of you that are, are maybe in agreement with Cameron, you know, look at human history, man. There's some resilience and community that survives even in the worst times, you know? So don't, don't all be worried. The in group. Huh? The in group survives. The out group, you know, they're the enemies. So. <laughs> oh, are we so I don't know. I just, Cameron? I just feel like, um, it's, it's, it's weird to have, um, this hopeful moment where there's, you know, it's a resounding success for the Batman part of things. You know, he's, he's bet on the, the fact that, these you know two boats aren't going to blow each other up um the prisoners and the you know the people he's basically been beating up for uh you know three years at this point um and the normal citizenry um you know there's this like hopeful crescendo in that um and then to just be like yeah, I'm going to ride off into the distance and the cops are going to chase me because we can't actually just tell the truth to the public. It would be too devastating for their worldview. They would they would actually become the people who would blow up the boat. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> like, is that what he's saying? What? Like, what? what's the what's the point of this here? Um, so I don't know. It's just it's just a funny thing to think about. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's kind of like um, it's like the UFO thing in modern time. It's like we can't tell them. We can't tell them. See, the Dark Knight Rises really needed to be Batman coming out saying, "Guys, here's the truth. I'm Bruce Wayne," and then the public just not caring at all. Like, just no. Like, they just are like, whatever. You know? Yeah, that'd be more realistic. <laughs> there, yeah, there'd be sure. not a care at all about what's going on. Like, you know? They're like, oh yeah, that was like. Six months ago, like we don't care at this point. Yeah, exactly. It's totally nothing. <laughs> He's on a podium <laughs> telling everyone, "I am Batman." Everyone's on their phone. You know, they're like, "Oh, some billionaire decided to dress up in tights." <laughs> nice, great, <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, still a great film. Um, major knocks Agreed. against it. Um, my only criticisms. That are bad criticisms. I'll even go out there. Children. Children. Bad acting. Uh, it's too serious, but the Joker's funny. Ha ha. And uh, his motorcycle is stupid. I'm just going to say that. His motorcycle is stupid? <laughs> it's like what five miles an hour every time he takes off. Like, like It's like super slow. It looks so dumb to me. <laughs> it's like the slowest motorcycle. It's like they couldn't have put like a engine on that. Wait, thing? his actual motor... His actual no. motorcycle or his no, Batmobile his ba- motorcycle? If, if it was Batman on that nice Ducati or whatever he had, like that would have been <laughs> way better, you know? <laughs> like then he's got to have a Batmobile motorcycle. Yeah, but like, I mean, why does it look so slow in every okay, scene? Well, it's only for like, it's for like one scene. So no, like, no, know, he always takes off, and it's like it's like like a really he has the motorcycle for like literally like one no scene. he takes off he's going through a mall he takes off in the move yeah in the mall he's going five miles an hour <laughs> like what is this 
It's the dumbest motorcycle that Batman has ridden. I will say the new Batman, the Batman has a better motorcycle. I'm just going to put that out there. Right? Because it's just a regular street bike, you know? Like, <laughs> um, all right. Well, those are my only criticisms. Of course, deserves the 10 out of 10. The more I don't watch this movie, the more I'm like, it's not that good. And every time I revisit it, I know it's just not yeah. so weird. It's because like it's so hyped. I feel like. yeah. I just have like a opposite reaction where I'm like, yeah, but maybe, maybe Batman Begins. Is and then better. that that it's first totally that not. it's not that at first all. scene punches in <laughs> with the mask, and you're like, I was wrong. I was wrong right away. I was wrong. Um, One thing I noticed because um, I just have the uh, the HBO thing on. Um, you know, I'm watching it as we're as we're talking. Um, the HBO version, uh, obviously not as good as the Blu-ray version, but specifically because the Blu-ray version um, widens out to 16 by 9 in the IMAX sequences, which just looks so good. Oh, it looks so much better. I didn't know that. Um, like it, the, all the all the sequences with like him diving with Lau. Uh, the whole, you know, beginning sequence where he's with, you know, with the bank robbery, um, I gotta up my theater game. You know, I want, I want to start getting some physical, some, some 4Ks, special edition 4Ks. Yeah. It's time, yeah. you know, I, uh, cause I, I watched, I watched it on, on the Blu-ray version and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that they kept like, it's not the original aspect ratio. It's, it's, um, you know, it's 16 by nine, but I'm glad that they kept that, you know, um, but it's sad that the HBO version just, you know, totally cuts it out. It's like wide. Juzo gave me the special edition of Drive. I should pop that in and, and give it a watch, you know. I feel like it's yeah. too precious to great. open, you know. It's huge. It's like this big box. <laughs> I mean, for the for the wedding, I'm like I got that's that's my foray into physical media. I think I have a copy of Once Upon a Time as well, which which so is I, uh yeah. I don't know why I own that, but I think I saw it on sale at Target. You probably gave that to us. No, I, I saw it on sale at Target or oh. something. I was like, I need to try a Ultra 4K or whatever. I gotta get the like, I gotta get like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended trilogy, and some of the. I think they only have just the Blu-ray, the normal Blu-ray, not 4K Blu-ray. But no, it still looks good. I have it. I've got the gold box with the extended editions. Yeah. That'd be sick. That would be sick to That's get good. those. Um, another. Another thing that um, just a just a funny little small detail. Um, I love when they're taking out the Joker's um, armaments after they booked him, and they're putting down all of his knives. And then the last one's a potato peeler. <laughs> I just think it's. Oh. I always have loved that that shot. I just think it's. So I funny. never saw that. Um, yeah. Um, it's kind of horrifying, actually. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's it's this. It's like it's kind of a darkly comedic moment, but it really it's great. Oh, speaking of another very horrifying moment, the jump scare. Yeah, with the dead Batman. Oh, yeah. That's scary. It's always been scary. It always will. It be got scary. me. It got me on the first watch. <laughs> it did yeah. it. The second watch, I was going to see if Juliana got scared, but I think she was on her phone at that part. Or something. So she just heard something. She just heard loud. something loud. She didn't even look up. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm not gonna wait. Let me rewind." 
it's not yeah, good. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, it's uh, real. I, I, I got to be honest. We, 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 we just. I'm, I'm so excited to watch The Dark Knight Rises with you, Cameron. We have to watch it together, right? Should we? I think so. I think it's. I think we should. Okay. I think we really should. Well, we should set up a date then. Um, that pretty much wraps up my my thoughts. I think on this movie, I've had the IMDb right. list open this whole time. It's just so infuriating. You know, I, I can't believe mean? this. Oh, that the the top top two fifty. Have you never seen that before? I just never looked through it with like the eyes that I have now. Barry Lyndon at one eighty eight. A crime. Absolutely. You know, crime. so um, something that got me into movies at a very young age as a 15 or 16-year-old, um, it's always hard to find what movies you want to watch, yeah. right? What movies you should yeah. watch. Um, so what I decided to do was I decided to just go down the list. Mm-hmm. And I think I got to like 170 or something, like 160. Um, so that was where a lot of my film knowledge really came from was, um, going down the list and watching all these old movies that I, it was, it looked a lot different back then. I will say a lot different. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was just interesting. That's like where I saw like, um, you know, where I saw like paths of glory for the first time, the great dictator. Oh, we might've watched that in class. Um, but, you know, it was just like an interesting experiment for me to be like, yeah, I've never seen City of God. I don't even, I've never even heard of that. Would never have come across that. Um, but, you know, I just watched it because it was on the mm-hmm. list. It's number 25 or 26 or whatever. Um, so, you know, as a, as a budding film lover, um, it was a good source of inspiration. I will not say that it's perfect, obviously. Has some some bad picks uh but it's a it's just an interesting well of um things to things to find and a lot of a lot of uh international movies a lot of um you know old stuff it's just yeah it's a good uh good resource i would say yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of good ones on there um i just think i look at some of this list and the standouts to me are like so deep into the hundreds from my experience. <laughs> that that's like yeah. crazy. Like Memories of Murder 188 or something. Yeah. Catch Me If You Can 174. Blade Runner 180. Like, wow. Wow. Like But also Citizen Kane at number 99, okay? Good. So it deserves it. You know. <laughs> You're going to tell me that Mad Max Fury Road belongs at 199 and Citizen Kane should be up there. Stop it. Just stop it. Is Mad Max at 199? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, at least it's on the list. I'd say that's kind of impressive. Yeah. I got to watch. I, I mean, Coco is at number 74, so that beats out uh, Citizen Kane. How does this make you feel, Cameron? <laughs> Ratatouille 211. Um. I would put it higher personally, but I mean, it's on the list. Yeah. Ford V Ferrari. Wherever they are in the list, like it's just, it's, it's to the wind for me. Okay. Like as long as it's on there, it it's a, it's a recognition. Yeah. 
Yeah. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at number 16. Um, no. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that's just wrong. <laughs> that's going to be like some trending aspect or something. Maybe. All right, so here are the ones that on this list, just to close out, that I want I, I need to visit. Of course, in the top 10, never seen Shawshank, never seen Schindler's List. We will get to them. Uh, they are definitely on our podcast radar. Um, one of them that's on here that I, I think about that I need to see often is Gladiator. I've never seen Gladiator. Uh, let me see what else. Um, I just saw one. Hold on. It was the, come on, where is it? Boy, we have seen a lot of these though. Braveheart. We Braveheart have. is another one of those ones that's like Gladiator that I've never seen. Just don't know what happened there. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, isn't it interesting how many we've we've covered on this list? I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm kind of curious about those ones that I'm like, ah, oh, I'd never want to watch that. You know, um, <laughs> like what? Well, I've never seen Heat. That looks good. I always want to watch that. Come and see. That's one that uh, you definitely want to watch <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to. It's so funny that that come and see and um, uh, it's is right below Toy Story three, um, and it's like that's a recipe to make you want to <laughs> jump off a bridge. You know. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, there's some like, there's some movies on here that I just like. I have no, like, I literally have, I feel like I've never heard of them. You know, like, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, The Treasure of uh, Sierra Madre. The Sierra I'm Madre? Like, what is that? <laughs> I've never even heard of that, you know? It's a classic. I mean, it's based on a book. Um, I know nothing about V for Vendetta. I literally, I know. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, I don't know anything about... Um, where was it? Let's see. There was one more on here that I was like, I know that one. City of God? Is that what it is? Well, I just mentioned it. Um, It's a great oh. movie. I highly recommend it. Yeah, never seen that. Um, The one, actually, one that really stands out is Ford V Ferrari's on here, and I haven't seen that, so... Uh, that's another one yeah, on my list that I really need to get to. But I think I think that wraps it up, Cameron. That wraps it. any anything else you want to say? No, I this movie yeah. See it again, watch it again. Honestly, it's on HBO. So good. Yeah. It's so good. Genuinely impressed at how much more I liked it this time than I thought I would. Which is like such a weird thing to think. You're like, oh yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. I, maybe I won't like it this time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no I, I liked it just as much, if not more. Yeah. So. Man. Well, now I'm looking at physical media on Amazon. I typed in 4K Star Wars, and the first one that comes up is Rise of Skywalker. Ew. <laughs> Poo-poo. <laughs> I'd be cool to get Revenge of the Sith, though. On 4K, that'd be pretty sick. Or Empire or something. I'd be down with that. 
Boy, there's a lot of them. Empire's 22 bucks. Feels crazy to pay. It's pretty expensive. I know. I just don't want to resubscribe to Disney Plus. I just have like no. I just have. I just don't want to watch anything on there anymore. I'm not sure why. No, I get it. I get it. Like I saw they had the Ahsoka show and they got they pulled out Hayden Christensen for it and it like hurt me for a second. I was like, why? No. <laughs> I know if I watch it, I'm gonna be mad. I know if I watch it, I'm gonna be upset. So I just can't. Just have to avoid it. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. I know what you mean. They. That's why. I mean, that's not why, but I haven't watched any of the Star Wars TV shows, so you know, not super interested. I think you could. I think you can watch like Mandalorian season one and two. It's fine. It's, you kind of stop there if you wanted to. You could buy the 4K Ultra HD version of the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. Th- Here's a great question for you. Let's close out with this, Cameron. I know we've been rambling. What three 4K Blu-rays would you want to buy that come, like, on the top of your head right now? That I'd want to buy? Yeah, like, just, like, don't overthink it. Just be like, okay, if I wanted three in my collection right now, like, what would I go for? I mean, honestly, like, I was thinking about the fact that I didn't, I don't have a Blu-ray of Inception. Um, Yeah. I have it on, uh, on DVD, but I don't have a Blu-ray. Um... Like, I don't have a prestige Blu-ray, which I love that movie. I also have it on DVD. Um, You know, so things like that. Things that I just, I love and I hate the fact that I have to rent them when Mm. I watch. That's why, that's often what I'll do is if I know we're going to watch a a movie in the next couple of weeks, I'll just like buy it on on Blu-ray because I'm like, I love this movie. I'm just going to, just going to have it. You know, why not? Yeah. Though I will say, as far as bang for your buck goes, buying TV shows on Blu-ray is a smarter move. I'll say that. Oh, I, I, it's more expensive. I would never do but that. It's a smarter. I would move. never do that. Why? Because oh, I don't Why? want. I don't. First of all, switching discs—that's stupid. Okay. If I'm buying physical media, I want it to be like cream of the crop. Of course, I would buy Nolan. On an Ultra 4K, of course. You're telling me to buy <laughs> Avengers Endgame with the garbage CGI? No, I'm not buying that. I could stream that, right? I saw it in the theaters. It's, it's, sure, it's good, you know? Well, I just mean, like, in terms of things that you want to have that you don't want to go away, you know, like, um, like The Office is a good example, right? The Office was on Netflix forever. They took it away. And now it's on like Peacock, but only the first three seasons. Yeah, I guess. So if you just have the physical. I guess The Office yeah, is a good one. The Office is one of those shows you could always watch. So. Um, but I think the Blu-rays are like super expensive now because. Um, yeah, they're like 80 bucks <laughs> for the for the whole series dang. of Blu-ray. Because like people want them, you know, they're like. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those it's one of those things. What it was that called? Is it a 4K DVD? What is that? Is that what it's called or a 4K UHD or something? UHD. 4K yeah. UHD Blu-ray. Yeah. 4K UHD. What's like a what's a beautiful movie? That's a great question. It's a beautiful. What's a movie I want to see like in all fidelity? 
in all of its glory. Hmm. All of them. I that's the way that I prefer watching movies. So I feel like I really do feel like Seven's beautiful. I I would like mm, that. I agree. On Blu-ray, you want to watch that on Blu-ray? Oh yeah, those library scenes. It would be amazing. Yeah. You know, amazing to witness that. Amazing to watch that. Um, no, I agree. They don't really have it. I don't really yeah, see it. They have it. I don't see it. They have it for for $9. Oh, that's because I spelled it wrong. You have to spell it with the, uh, with the seven in the middle. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, Zodiac is one that I have. So that'd be cool. I like I like Criterion Blu-rays. They always look way better. That would be cool. That would be cool too. I hang on. Anyway, I'm just gonna search just, something really fast. 4K on. UHD complete collection. I just want to see what that comes up. Complete. <laughs> I'm just gonna 4K UHD. Oh, the first <laughs> my first result is the Born collection. Why would you want that? Mm. I mean, okay. Then we got Game of Thrones at one hundred and twenty dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Westworld. I guess some people just think, you know, they don't want to subscribe to the HBO thing, but the quality's there enough to buy it, right? Um. I want to see, do they have like a Marvel collection? That would be pretty cool. I bet they do, yeah. Like what, like $300 or something? <laughs> I have no idea. Marvel. I got to search Google. Um, they have the Phase 3. Oh, they sell them in phases. Oh, they sell them in phases. Oh, so let's see. The whole four-thing box set is... you know? That's too much for me. I, I, uh, sorry. No thanks. It's a little out there. Looks like there's a, uh, Infinity Saga on eBay for $1,200. Wow. This is pretty cool. It is signed. (laughs) That is pretty sick that it's signed. And then, like, all the DVDs, like, make Thanos' face. That's pretty cool. I I like that. Look at that. All right. We're going to wrap up. All right, guys. All right. We post every Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Until then, next week, catch you then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.